You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Page to Stage. A conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. And that's Mary. This episode is part of our series on A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical. In this series, we're looking at how certain design elements shape the creative process of a new musical, particularly one based on a true story. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, my name is Anne-Marie Malazzo, and I am a vocal designer on A Beautiful Noise, the musical. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Actually, you've been on our list of people in the industry in general that we wanted to have on the podcast at some point. I'd love if you could kick us off by just kind of explaining what you do as the vocal designer for a musical. And generally, are there a lot of people that do what you do in the industry, or is what you do pretty niche? I don't think I'm niche at all. I call myself a vocal designer. I guess that's the niche part. And I think every vocal arranger is, in in fact, a designer because we deal with plot, we deal with texture, we deal with color, we deal with inner monologue, we we deal with so much like a costume designer it's like burlap cotton silver buttons you know um arrangers vocal arrangers 
which I call vocal designers. That's what they do. So no, I'm not niche at all. Um, there's, there's so many people out there that do exactly what I do. I just call myself a designer. <laughs> How did you find yourself in this design seat, if you will? When I started doing it, my first show was um, Bright Lights, Big City. I was actually in it. I was the mom and there were no vocal arrangements. So I was like, hey, I have an idea. Can I throw some out there? And um, then the next show I did was Spring Awakening. And I just remember thinking, wow, I don't feel like an arranger. Like I understand an arrangement of a song. There's a chorus here. Maybe we want to put the chorus in the front. Maybe we want to extend the bridge. Like I understand that to be arranging. But when I was doing the vocals, I was dealing with more, I don't know, with, with color, with texture. So I was really designing it. And then I would, you know, as I would, you know, I was listening to all the other shows that people do and they're designing too. So I, I, I guess I guess I couldn't wrap my mind around arranging. It was always designing. So I was like, Hey, could, could you, could you say designer? And and it was like a big fat no. And I kind of had to <laughs> kind of had to, I, I don't know, kick down some doors and say, well, why not? Who cares? It's that's what it is. And I, I wish other people would do that too, because I do believe when you're dealing with vocals and choruses, you know, orchestras are very, they're not as big as they used to be. They used to be 45 piece, you know, 14 in an orchestra is huge. So the color, all the color and the texture and, and the dramaturgy comes from the vocals. It's designing. I don't see, you know, it, it, I feel like there's no mystery. That's, I feel so strongly about it. Anyone listening, you are vocal designers. <laughs> So I'm curious as to what are what do you receive? And actually, let's take one step back. What, at what point in the process are you typically brought on to a project? I'm brought on um, when I do page to stage. Um, oh, gosh, years, years before it even gets to a reading. A composer, say, I don't know, it's Tom Kitt. He'll call and I have an idea for a musical. I have a few songs. And um, I'm like, great. And it, it's, it's, yeah, it could be up to four years before the musical is even in a, in a, you know, with 29 hour reading. And usually the songs that I start with aren't even in the show. What you're receiving in terms of the song, what, what does that look like? Cause you're having to then flesh out a lot of work then, correct? In terms of like harmonies or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, well, I'll get a song and I'll listen to a song and it's just like the melody and you know, someone singing. And basically I have a lot of questions. Like if the show has not been fleshed out, if the show's not written yet, but uh, maybe there's a scene that we all know, like how many people in the room, how many people do I have? What's the cast size? Um, what does the song need to do? Is it creating a world? Is it plot? Are they really there? Are they in someone's head? There's just so many questions that I need to know before I can start. So it's really, it, there's not one, I get versions of all, in all shapes and sizes and all, you know, along the line of being finished. It, it, it's just really individual per song. But if I'm doing like Beautiful Noise, where we have, we have these songs that exist, they're Neil Diamond songs. Like I just have to know how they coexist in the play and what they do for the play. Honestly, it's kind of like whittling away at a piece of granite until you see something <laughs> makes sense. 
Uh, and I learn along when I get the cast, you know, you learn along with the, with the actors, like they, they bring a lot of knowledge for me and go, Oh, that doesn't work. It worked to my head. Let's try this. So different, you know, different ways along the journey is, that's how I receive songs in all different forms. You know, you just mentioned these are all songs specifically for a beautiful noise that are written by Neil Diamond. They're all songs that most people have heard of before. What is the approach then versus another type of work that's you may be an original musical in getting a hold of the songs and working on vocal arrangements for them because now you're creating uh i have i have not seen it unlike mary uh beautiful noise yet but i i imagine that there are choruses uh chorus numbers and people are now singing in storytelling elements so how do you change all that? What I did was I immersed myself in Neil Diamond because because what you don't want is to when people come to the theater for a Neil Diamond musical they really want a Neil Diamond song, but the trick is how to pop it up and make it theatrical so it's not just like going to some gig Neil, watching Neil Diamond how wonderful that would be but this these songs exist in a story so it's different because. I have to honor a lot that's there. I just have to heighten it and maybe add counters from other songs. Again, it's really, it, it depends on the song that I'm working on. Like, like I'm a believer that Neil Diamond wrote. Um, that was basically, you know, a song recorded by the monkeys, but I have 18 people. So we want to tell the story with the 18 people that that song is going out into the world and it's going into radios. So what does that sound like? How do you tell that story where the song starts here from Neil Diamond and then it goes around the world into millions of radios like that has that sounds like something. So then I have to map that out how that's going to sound. How how do we tell that story using I'm a believer? But and and still, you know, and then I you have to use the hooks from what we all know that the monkeys did. Ooh, ah, you know what I mean? But it's how I do it and how I exaggerate it and who I have singing it rather than like, if I'm doing a story, a, a song from a new musical, there are no, there's nothing there. It's not like I have to keep this part because everybody wants to sing along with this. It's like if it was a Bono song singing along with like a guitar lick that everyone knew, you cannot cut those things out. So you have to respect and honor the song that that is the kernel of what everyone loves. And then you have to theatricalize it. I guess over the, like, the development process, right, during readings and workshops, different, you know, anytime you go into a rehearsal room, there's a chance you might have a different group of people or even yeah. just one person, which then changes the whole dynamic, the potentially the sound of it. And so the cast is going to be, you know, the same from Boston, for you know, and, but I don't know about from previous workshops of of what that cast looked like. So were there any, um, were there any changes that you had to make from, from cast to cast, if anything changed on that side? And I mean, like primarily the noise, right? Cause I think the four have been the, the four principles have been there from, for a chunk of the time, but really the noise or the ensemble, what that looked like. Yeah, sure. You know, every voice adds a color, every voice adds a texture everything matters. So if we get a new member and there's something that they bring to the table, a color that I haven't had, I will totally use that color. It will definitely change. I'll be like that, you know, cause everybody sounds so wonderful and so different, but it's like, 
it's like a fabric. It's like, you know, just you, you the choice has changed. So I, I want, I want to, it's not like I have to, but I want to, I'm like, Oh, you know, Mimi, she's got this great, rich round sound. You know, I'm like, I need that. I'm going to put her here. So, oh yeah, it's totally woven in differently. Um, and I love doing that. I just love it. I went to Emerson once and I rearranged Spring Awakening because the voices were so different. It was college. And I was like, oh, this would sound great with if this person did this part. The, the timbres and the textures are all different. I, I obviously don't, I don't have opportunities to do that all the time and run around and change things to voices. But definitely I have the luxury of workshops, readings and, and up until Broadway and even tours. I can... I can change and shift. Is there a desire to want to, f- to find a sound that's um, able to be not replicated, but I guess consistent throughout the whole run, right? So like, let's say, you know, best case scenario is that the show runs for years and years and years and sees a variety of different people who are stepping into those roles, who, uh, who bring their own sound and bring their own texture. So is there anything that that you think that musical theater allows or maybe this show specifically allows for that change or is it more or less just trying to come together as a group to 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 hit that same marker that we established the beginning of the broadway process oh i think it would be sad if everything stayed that same do you know i think it would be like i mean i love I, i i think it's great when new people come in, the sound completely changes. And that's something to be embraced. Um, it's just, it's, it's very organic, you know? And then, you know, as an audience member, you can come see an entirely different show with new people. It will never sound, it will never feel the same way. I think that's the magic of theater, which is different. If you listen to a cast recording, it's never different. You even can start breathing with the people. Like, you know, if you wear out your records, and, and, and which is, which is great. But I think in live theater, I would hate to have it all. That would just be horrible. <laughs> I like it when it changes. I like the timbre change. What's the structure when you're working with a music department, right? So you have uh, all these different roles that are kind of, you know, doing different things all to put together songs and all, all to put together this musical overall sound and design of the show. So how are you work and who are you working with to accomplish these things? And kind of how does that go up the chain of command to make decisions and, and settle on whatever you do design? Um, I trust my team so much. Um, this, this music team is, is amazing. It's, it's Sonny Palladino and, and, and Brian Eustifer. And um, I'll come up, I'll come up with something or Brian will give me this track or it really depends. And I'll say, Hey, I have an idea, but whoever's got a better idea, <laughs> I'll take, you know, cause I always want to be the weakest person in the room in terms of making those decisions. Um, but I really do believe whatever sounds good is good. And who, you know, how we get there, it's, it's a team effort. The director has a lot of say, um, you know, the book has a lot to do with it. Oh, the book now needs this song to do this. So we all have to change and shift, but I don't think there's a chain of command. I think it's just, I'm part of, I'm just one part of a music team. And, um, even though I, yes, I'll start creating it, but 
but it takes, it does take a village and I love to go in and shape. And then I just look to Sonny and, and Brian and when I'm not there, they keep it alive and keep it going. And they're like, Hey, you know, I made this change. Do you like it? And I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. Um, not being attached so heavily, I think is really important. Still keeping to a vision because that is key, but a team's vision and not your vision. I always come from that point of view because it's this all, it makes me better. It makes me stronger to listen to my team because I trust them so much. And they're a big part of the sound, the orchestrations and the vocal designs, the dance that they do together is insane. It's a dance that they're partnering completely, you know, it's great. I mean, especially since, I mean, we've heard this many times in the podcast of people talking about why they work with certain people. And it's the idea that like you're working with them for potentially, you know, upwards of 10 years, even of trying to just develop a single piece before it even gets to Broadway. So, you know, sometimes you don't get a say per, you know, exactly of who you want with the team, but it's important that you find that, that bond and, and that common ground. And I think ultimately the show and the story is what brings people to a piece. So I think that that's great. And I, I mean, just looking at the names on, on the music team alone is just always so shocking to me. So it's, it's gotta be such a, a wild ride for you. <laughs> I kind of wake up and pinch myself because I get to work with such amazing, amazing people, including new people, not just people that have 50 million shows behind them, but new people, new people bring in new energy and new life and new ideas. You're like, wow, I get to meet this new person and I get to work with this seasoned person and it's like it's awesome it's awesome i wanted to talk a little bit about since we're using music that's already existed neil diamond has a very specific sound um Mm. and i'm curious as to because we have two neil diamonds in the show we have a neil then and a neil now um and what kind of work has been done with the two of them to, um, I wrote in my notes, like perfect that iconic sound, but not even perfect, but just to like get the essence of what Neil, who Neil Diamond is and the sound he's been able to create over his entire career. And those two actors being Will Swenson and Mark Jacoby for context. Yeah. Will and Mark, I feel like what's magical about both of them is they don't do an impersonation of Neil Diamond, but they inhabit Neil Diamond. It's like, it's, it's so subtle. So, I mean, definitely it's, it's Will and Mark singing, but they're so deep into the character that they channel, they channel the damn voice. It's an iconic voice, right? But they're not doing an imitation. So I get to support that. That's all I'm doing. I'm supporting that sound. Um, I do pop, you know, the beautiful, the beautiful noise, um, are the vocals, in the show, we call them the beautiful noise. And what the beautiful noise does, uh, sometimes they're in the scene with the song, so they get to pop out. Sometimes they're just doing like the diegetic, the background vocals. Um, but they're really supporting, I, I hope, if it's successful, I, they're just supporting the songs and lifting them up um, always underneath Will and Mark. Um, if that makes sense. So they're, they're like old friends, but uh, I guess seen and heard, in a, you know, like bigger, bigger than a record, if that makes sense. It's like, if your record was a pop-up, it's like, wow, it's like, so I feel like that's exciting because the energy, 
the energy, the beautiful noise energizes those songs. Um, it, it's insane. You got to hear them. They're, they're amazing. They are they're amazing. Dancing. Oh my God. And they dance. I don't know how they dance and sing like that. I don't understand it at all. Well, one of the first things I remember from my time at the theater was just how like often that they actually appear on stage and not just like that they're just dancing in the background, but that they're like actually interacting with, with both Neils in different ways and like how, and so I'm really, I'm excited to listen to, to the music and I'm excited to see the, see it again to get a different perspective. But I just remember them being on stage and that was when I saw in the playbill that they're actually titled The Beautiful Noise. And I was like, that, that makes sense. Like they're just the music throughout the entire story, which is yes. a cool way to in, intertwine they, that. It's, it, it's true. They interact vocally. You know, they storytell vocally. It's not just, ooh, ah. they storytell. They're in every scene. They're activated. They activate the songs physically um, and sonically. And I think that's what's so special about it. So right now we're in this like pre-production period for Broadway. You'll start rehearsals soon-ish, maybe in a month or so, um, with preview starting November 2nd at the Broadhurst Theater. I'm curious as to what sort, what work you guys are doing now um, as a music team and also as a show to prepare yourself. I've been hearing that there are you know, changes are in the works in some capacity yeah. or in a lot of capacities. Um, even our previous guests have told us that you know things are changing, so that they're having to go back to their own specific teams to make those changes. So I'm curious as to what that looks like for the music department. It looks like Amory Malazzo walking five lights up Brian Yusufer's stair, <laughs> sitting on a piano to say, we have to do better here, here, and here. <laughs> In the middle of a heat wave. That's so, that so humbling. Like. <laughs> that's how fun it is. No, it's actually fun, but that's really the reality. It's like, come over, sit at the piano. We can do better here. We can do better here. And we can do better here. The story plot has changed. So therefore we need to do this. And we're kind of going over the score of where those moments happen. And, um, uh, you know, I just did one the other day. So it's like, yeah, we are changing. And you know, when we get to discover, like, who the hell knows if it's going to work? Like, we're going to see it. We're going to go rehearse it and go, and we can do one more better. You know, we're just, we're just trying to make the best show possible. And when you sit in Boston and you can't change it because it's frozen, it's almost torture. Cause you're like, oh my God, I want to fix that. I have to fix that. I have to fix that. If we could only go back always, I could, go back in every show I've ever done and go, oh God, I want to fix that so badly, but you can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your journey has been so exciting thus far in terms of your career. So you've done crazy things, Cirque du Soleil, uh, so many different projects, Broadway. What do you think is next either for you or for vocal design if you had a future for it? It seems like it's really like your baby. I think music is my baby, no matter what branch that I'm kind of on. So I feel like one helps the other. The writing helps the arranging, helps the designing, helps. I hope, I just hope for so many people that they understand that they can, that, that it's possible that there's, there's so, we live in a, a world of excess and we have deprivation mentality in terms of like jobs and music and theater and I feel like there's so many stories to be told and so many people who could, could design it. Broadway's not the be all end all, you know, there's, 
there's, there's tons of theater out there. There's, and I just feel for me, I'm, I hope in my lifetime, I get to see and hear other people's interpretations of music design. Um, and I would just encourage, you know, I don't read or write music and I just feel that the impossible that you're told becomes possible when you just don't listen. And I just hope for other people that they understand like, Oh, wow. You know, I, I can do this too. And I would just encourage getting your, a thumbprint. Like if everyone can have their own thumbprint, you know, I feel like we have to be derivative derivative in terms of coming up and learning and learning. And then what is your take? What's your individual voice? And I think that is so important to always, even myself, just changing and changing and developing my own voice in terms of designing and writing it. So it doesn't become, Oh, that sounds like I don't want to ever suffer from sameness. I'm, I always want to learn and reach out to new music ideas and meet new people. And so I guess the hope is that the best things are in front of me and meeting more and more and more and more people who I can learn from. Don't want to suffer from sameness. I like that. Mary, do you want to kick us off in the lightning round? The first question we have is, what is one thing in the theater industry that confuses you? I guess what was confusing that people maybe think there aren't enough jobs. And so I guess being oh, being competitive, that confuses me. Like, I don't understand that. I don't know what that means. What are three adjectives that uh, describe your ideal working environment? I guess collaborative would be would be the one I could think of because it could get really lonely if you're working by yourself and you only have your, I I would just say one, that would be the one. Is there something in your process that you have found unique to you in your craft? No, I'm, I'm like a blue collar worker. I mean, I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, I just want to do what the story needs um, and what sounds good. So I don't think I'm, I can't, I can't imagine anything unique about me that tons of everyone, you know, ahead and behind have not done. <laughs> I like say that from, calling it vocal design would be something that's pretty unique. I would say, at least I would say from an outsider's perspective, I guess it's unique, but it doesn't, it make sense. Doesn't it that, does, it, it does, does make sense. Doesn't it make total sense? It, but that's what it is. It's I, that's how ununique, that's how not unique it is. It, that's what it is. It's kind of like, that's exactly what it is. So it's kind of like, I feel like, Hey, this is what it is. And everyone's like, no, it's not. It's this. I'm like, but it, does this make sense to you? And they're like, no, that's true. It is design. So I'm like, is that unique? I guess because I say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've been saying Maybe it out loud it. for so because long. Because <laughs> I say it out loud. Okay. That's good. Uh, any books, resources, or podcasts that you find helpful to you in your process or, or maybe even coming up in the industry? I'm a huge, 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 huge poetry fan. I, I, I'll say this because in poetry, like there's, there's all these layers that you, that you, you can, you can absorb something on the surface. Like if you're reading, I don't know, like an Adrian Rich poem or something like diving into the wreck, something like that. It's like, then you, you have this thing that it's written and then you, there's all these layers underneath what it means. And I think that that is, for me, I grab those things. I grab I grab those books. I, 
those are so deep. I, 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 they're like comfort food for me. I, I, it sounds crazy. I also like Stephen King sci-fi. It's my mind. I like the Tommy Knot. It's one of my favorite books. I reread that all the time. If there, if there was one job in the industry that you could trade jobs with for one week, what would it be for you? Choreographer. I can't dance. I can't move and chew gum at the same time. So I would love if God just to come in and just let me be, let me feel what that feels like to, to do that, to fly like that, to have all those ideas and movement. Like, wow, that would be awesome. I would love that. What's a hobby that you have outside of theater? <laughs> it's horrible. I, I, I mean, I, I like to gamble. I, I liked to gamble so much. I love going to casinos. I dream about it. What, what do you still, do? You play the slots, you go to the poker table, you do roulette. What I don't do you, play what do you poker. Do? I play, I play blackjack, but my, I lose money in slots. You walk, think about it. You walk into a casino. Everybody is in a good mood. There's sound goes and there's colors and you either get money or you lose. Like, it's just fun. And I go there and my mind just clears and I don't have to think about anything. And I'm just like surrounded by happiness and happy sounds of people winning. It's, it's, it's a dream. In fact, my sister and I are planning, we're going to go to a Mohican sun soon. I think about it constantly. Yeah, that's a big hobby of mine. Is that, a, is that a, even a hobby? Yeah, no, I yeah, like that. Yeah, that could that's be a cool. hobby. I really like, I know we're not commenting on these, but I really like how when you were describing this scenario, you were using sound for that. You were like, with the sound effects, the ooh, which I never when even you like. Go, oh, if you go in a casino, the first thing you hear is that's all you hear. And it's like flashes of colors before my eyes, like happiness, sound, subconscious. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. The clink of glasses, people drink. It's just the happiest place on the planet. And then when you leave, maybe the saddest place. <laughs> <laughs> Depending. No, I like to do that's a, that's a hobby. I love that. That was a very colorful answer. Um, our last question for you is what is the last great piece of theater that you've seen? It doesn't have to be the last thing that you saw, just anything that really touched you, anything that moved you. The, the Sweeney Todd production, it was, it was downtown. At Barrow Street? Yes, with eight people, a clarinet and a piano. Okay, scrap. That was the most, I'd never been transformed like that in my life. To take a score like Sweeney Todd, there were two instruments. Like, did you see it? I didn't get a chance to see it, but no, everybody that saw it was just absolutely going crazy for it. It was the most, it was the, it was perfect. It was a perfect, perfect, perfect piece of theater. Everything came together. Everything worked just with the, they, the cast walking the tables, the meat pie, the whole thing. But the, I couldn't wrap my mind around. I never thought about Sweeney Todd with two instruments. Like what? And I didn't, I wasn't missing it at all. I wasn't missing it. That was my, that, that was it. That one. Oh, I'm a downtown theater girl. Like I, I love the mama. I'm the one like, give me a stick and a blanket. I, you know, that to me, I mean, I know commercial theater is amazing and I'm blessed and thank you. Thank you. But like uh, yeah, with downtown you. theater, like, Oh my God, that, that was in fact, when we were doing what's on this Island, the dream was to do it in the park. And we were going to text everyone, hey, there's a happening. And originally, the original concept 
the actors were going to have drums and we're going to sit in a circle. No, you didn't need anything. It was just going to be a happening. Um, and then they were like, no, we have to do it on Broadway, which is, I'm grateful. But that was the idea. Like Michael and I were like, we should just do it in the park. Just that is one of Mary's heard me talk about it way too much, but that's one of my like top three theatrical experiences. I think I saw it like four times once on this island, that revival. I just incredible. Oh, thank you. That was, that was, um, wow. What a, that was amazing. It was wonderful. But can you imagine if it was done in the park? Mm. Just circle in a circle with drums, like, now we just I think now it just needs to happen. We just need to I think figure we need out a way to get everyone back together. <laughs> the ultimate like saying. pandemic musical, I guess, right? Outside. Yeah. Semi social distance. Cassandra, <laughs> if you're listening, yep, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well thank thank you so much for spending your lunch break uh, from rehearsals of joy which is going to be at George Street Playhouse. December 7th through the 30th. Thank you so much. Such Thank a pleasure you. having you on and being another guest on our Beautiful Noise series. Can't wait to see the show myself. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. And if you're enjoying these conversations, we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.